0: George, what a, a great morning of worship thus far. Um, I want to share with you before I get into the message, uh, there's so much going on, at, at, you know, I'm tempted to just start going down the list of things. But we have revival coming up, April 21st through 24th, and starting this Friday, we're going to take that, uh, it'll be a month up till revival, 30 days. And we're doing a thing, uh, a Kingsway question of the day. And we're going to be sending that out uh, through, if we have you on email um, or text, through our, our message system. And I've got some paper copies if you, as you go out to the sanctuary on your right. There's some out there to grab. And the idea is, just, it's just a simple question, which maybe is not so simple, and a verse of Scripture that we might examine our hearts each day as we prepare for, for God to continue to work in our lives as a church and, and our lives individually. Um, it says in Psalm 139, 23, and 24 in Old King James, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So and encourage you to, uh, to be, a, be a part of that um, so that we might be in a position, hopefully, uh, that God might speak to us in a special way. In that time. But this morning, uh, I want to talk about the importance of worship as we continue on in, in the idea of awakening the church. And we're going to look in John chapter 4 this morning and uh, ask you when you find John 4 to stand in God's honor. And we're going to read verses 24 through 26 this morning. God is spirit, and His worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am He. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we need You, God. And this morning, as we examine uh, for a few moments uh, the importance of worship, Father, um, let me just do a self-check, Father, work in our hearts. And may we ask the question, uh, when I do this, do I worship? And really that question, it, well, it involves everything, Lord. So, Father, as we look at the woman at the well, Lord, and her encounter with you, uh, may we be moved to be worshipers of the true God. In your name we pray. Amen. Gordon Dahl had an interesting quote I want to open up with. He said, Most middle-class Americans tend to worship their work, to work at their play, and to play at their worship. As a result of their meanings and values are distorted. Their relationships disintegrate faster than they can keep them in repair and their lifestyles resemble a cast of characters in search of a plot. Wow. May we not be a people that play at our worship. Because it is in worship uh, that our lives come together. So we look around us at, at lives that are falling apart and maybe right now we feel like our lives are falling apart. The way to come together is worship because it's directing our eyes upon the one true God, upon Jesus Christ. And I want to look in John chapter 4 this morning as we look at an encounter Jesus had that led to worship. Uh, In John chapter 4, beginning at verse 4, it says, Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground, Jacob had given to his son Joseph Jesus didn't have to do anything he didn't have to go to Samaria he wanted to go to Samaria why because there was someone there that he wanted to meet and you see it was strange in that that wasn't the typical route the Jews did not like the Samaritans There was a lot of prejudice. There was a lot of feeling that, man, those guys are just like trash. You know, you just really don't want to be around them. And so instead of going the direct route, which would go through Samaria, they would tend to go the long way around, just so they could avoid that section, that area, those people. You see, Samaritans, they were... The half-breeds, instead of true Jews that stuck to God, they had intermarried with other people and they had brought other customs and and a different culture into the families. And and the Jews were mad at them for that. And and there was this feeling of, those people, they they don't deserve God. They don't deserve God's blessings. And and we're not going to be near them. We don't want to touch them. We don't want to have anything to do with them. And, And on top of that, he stopped to speak to a woman. And in that culture, that just didn't happen. The men didn't stop and, and and talk to the women in a public situation like that, public setting like that. So he's Jesus is breaking all the rules. <laughs> he he's talking to a Samaritan, a Samaritan woman, no doubt. And, and I want you to see here, um, down in verse six, it said, "Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well." It was about the sixth hour which is about noon and that was also significant because most came out early in the morning to get water but not her and we're going to discover as we go in here why because she wasn't welcomed by the other women you see the jews didn't like the samaritans but even the samaritans didn't like her and why because she had a reputation and and that unfolds here as, as Jesus talks to her and and we'll be looking at that. But it's interesting here, um, it says going on in the scripture, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? And then a footnote, his disciples had gone into town to buy food. So this is interesting. Here is Jesus. He didn't have to go through Samaria, but He chose to go through Samaria and He stopped and He, he broke the rules. He talked to this Samaritan woman, a woman who was an outcast in the town. A, a woman who of bad reputation. A woman who had to go by herself, not when the others were out there. <laughs> a woman who was rejected. She knew what rejection was about. And Jesus stopped and He talked to her. And not only did He talk to her, He asked for her help. In other words, He was saying to her, You matter. You're important. Well, she, she was just like, wow, who is this guy? Why is he talking to me? What's this about? And, and she, you know, she even responds to that. Verse 9 says, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? <laughs> but notice what Jesus says here. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked Him and He would have given you living water. What an answer. She's still going, I can't believe he's talking to me. And he turns and says, hey, I have a type of water that will quench a thirst. It's far deeper than that of parched lips and a parched throat. It quenches the soul. It goes down deep within the heart and and, and quenches that great need. That's what he provides. (laughs) Sir, the woman said, you've nothing to draw with. This well's deep. How can you get this living water And then he goes on and says, You know our ancestors here, you greater than Jacob gave us this well to drink from, and and, and so his sons, his flocks, herds that use this, are you greater? And, And Jesus answers, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. He says, Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And... But this woman still, man, thick-headed here. Look what she says. Look at her answer here. She says, verse 15, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. She says, you know, this is really no fun to have to come out here and to to draw this water out and to carry it back. You know, man, if you can provide me water service at home where I keep coming out here but the water just shows up every morning. That's great. You you know, bring that to me, sir. That's what I want. And... Jesus gets her attention. That's what I want us to see here. He moves it away from a religious conversation to a relationship conversation. He he moves it away from just talking about church and ideas about religion to her life. Let's look at what He does here. (laughs) Um, He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. So the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. What happened here? Jesus moved away from this religious talk, this idea of ritual, and he went straight for her. He said, hey, I know who you are. And I know where you've been. And I know where you are now. And what does she do? It gets too personal. She's embarrassed. She wants to move away from it. She wants to go back to the religious conversation. She wants to go back to the ritual. She says, "You know, stay at a distance here. You're getting too close, Jesus. is <laughs> basically what she says. So she goes back into the religious conversation. And I see you're a prophet. And, and then she talks about how, she said, our fathers worshipped on this mountain but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. (laughs) And and, and so she goes back, you're too close, Lord. And then uh, as she continues to describe, Jesus declares, He says, believe me, woman, a time's coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Now, a couple of things here um, in in regard to what is being said here. First, they're talking about a place of worship. And Jesus makes a point that worship is beyond a meeting place. Whether in Jerusalem or Samaria, you worship God in spirit and truth. Although it's important to have a place to come together and to corporately worship God like we're doing today. Worship happens more than just 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. Worship happens more than just a scheduled meeting. Worship is to be our lives. A few years ago, uh, several of us from Kingsway went with some Lutheran friends on a mission trip to Pennsylvania. And while we were there, there were some... Uh, we got to see these uh, cathedrals these beautiful Catholic worship places that basically had very few people coming now. But I was so impressed with how ornate these places were. They were talking about how they they shipped some of this beautiful marble work and statues and everything over here to the United States. And people spent all this time, people spent all this energy to make this place perfect to worship in. A place where you just walk in and go, oh, God is here. But now the places, they're basically empty. These beautiful places. You, you see, God doesn't need a beautiful place to show up in. He can. He, he does. But it doesn't have to be that way. God shows up. Everywhere. Uh, it says in Psalm 139, 7-12, uh, through 12, Where can I go from your Spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? He says, if I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the far side of the sea, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If if I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. He said, You're you're everywhere, God. You're your place to be worshipped, you're in spirit, and you're in truth. And and secondly, he says it's from the Jews, not the Samaritans. What he said here, guys, it, it wasn't an arrogant statement. It was an accurate statement. God does have a plan. God doesn't just show up haphazardly. God doesn't just show up through fifty different means. He had a plan. It came through the Jews. And it would come upon Jesus Christ to be a Savior and to die upon a cross. Um, Second, worship is not just groping around for some deity that we might happen to find. It's very specific. And we shouldn't be afraid of that. And we shouldn't be ashamed of that. Because it is His finished work on the cross that gives us hope after this life, gives us hope for heaven, and gives us life for today. I want to read a a quote to you. I don't even know uh, who had written this. (laughs) But he says, uh, Jesus, it's a little name, a small word. Say this little name in public, however, in a way other than an obscenity, and stand back and watch the fireworks. This little name is like a tiny detonator that triggers a nuclear warhead. You can say God and you won't get a squeak. You can say our Father, Mother in Heaven and few will flinch. You can say Great Spirit and people nod in approval. You can say Allah and you will be deemed tolerant. But say Jesus and just wait for the sonic boom. Articles will appear in the paper. Reprimands will be posted from the home office. Suits will be threatened by civil liberties block. So don't say Jesus. Jesus is divisive, and now is a time for unity. Jesus is an extremist, and that would mean right wing. Jesus is exclusive, so His name amounts to hate speech. Keep His name to yourself. Cloister it in your church. Lock it in your prayer closet. Close it between the covers of your Bible. But for God's sake, don't voice it in the public square. It's immodest. It's immoral. It's unloving. Only one problem. Jesus is God. Only one problem. Jesus alone brings salvation. Only one problem. All other gods are nothing. So speak His name aloud. Shout it from the mountain. Whisper it in the dark. Write it in the sky. That's not hate. It's hope. Now, as we look at worship, notice that He says in Spirit and Truth, Verse 23 says, The time is coming, and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Have you ever thought about? God is seeking worshipers. Have you ever thought about it? What's he think of your worship? You see, we get the idea so often. We say, I've got to go to worship like it's the 11 o'clock hour and we're going to worship. But worship goes far beyond a a segmented scheduled time frame. Colossians 3.17, guys, says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Hey, worship happens in word or deed. Whatever you are doing. Don't make it sound so spiritual. Worship happens when you mow the lawn. (laughs) If you're tuned into God, it's a time to to worship. Worship happens, uh, Gracie, when you put on mascara. Uh, Anything that you do, worship. uh, When you wash the laundry, there can be worship. Worship while you work or when you hike on a trail or when you hammer a nail. The point is, there's really no word or no deed where worship is not needed when when we wake up we begin to see that, that God is not just one thing he's in everything he's the only thing he's he's the heart uh, the very word in the anglo-saxon language means worthship it's to ascribe worship to so the idea of worship is God I want to give you the worth you deserve I want my life to reflect that I want my words to reflect that, that, that that's that's what it's all about and I want you to see here, uh, as as we're near the end of this message, what happened in in her, in her life. <laughs> the woman said, "Verse twenty five. I, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us." Then Jesus declared, "I who speak to you, am He." So Jesus, you know, they have this religious conversation after Jesus has been personal and he comes back and he looks at her like, okay, enough of the, uh, you know, the church language, enough of the talk. He looks at her and says, I'm the Messiah. So what's she going to do with it? Is she going to get mad and stomp away and say, you don't believe, look, I believe, I'm leaving, I'm going. You know, what's she going to do with it? She worships. How do I know that? Well, let's continue on the text as we come to the end of this message. Um, Starting at verse 27. uh, Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. Cultural norm. No one asked, what do you want? Why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward Him. What had happened? Hey, that moment, she had to grapple with not the religious stuff, but with the relationship stuff. Jesus, who are you? And and who who are you in my life? You've approached me and, and now I've got some business to do. I've got something to take care of. You know, who are you personally to me? And, and she takes that and she couldn't keep quiet about it and so she goes into town and, and she says, guys, who is this? I, I've got to tell you about this person. He knew everything about me. Could he be the Messiah? What's happened? She's worshipped. And here's the thing about when we worship. I mean, when we really worship Jesus, it doesn't just stay with us. It flows out of us. And God impacts others as He impacts us. And, and the church is awakened When we see Him. (laughs) And then others see Him in our lives. Let me go on here. I'm almost done. Look at verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. (laughs) So when the Samaritans came to Him, they urged Him to stay with them. And He stayed two days. What happened? They used to not know Jesus, but they knew her. And when they saw her, something's happened to her. She's not the same. And so she said, i got to meet this guy. I want to I meet him because he's changed her life. Something has happened here and I need to know what it is. And, and so they met. And this is just such a beautiful section of Scripture. And it says, and because of his words, many more became believers. He said, the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the Savior. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you, worship is important, Lord. There there are many things that that, that drive us and divert us. But Father, our lives are, are called to bring forth worship to you, Lord. And Father, when we do, God, uh, You change us. And other people see that and they hunger and thirst for that, Lord. It's not something we do, it's something You do in us, Lord. And so I pray for myself and I pray for those here today, God. Grab us by the heart, Lord. Get our attention, Father. Help us to, to see You, that You're the Messiah, that You're You're the Savior of the world, Lord. And, and as we grasp that, Father, work in us in such a way that without even realizing it, you work through us. And other people say, I want to meet this Jesus. I want to meet this One that, that changed His life, that changed her life. God, there's just such a hunger for that out there, God. And, and, and do that in us, Lord. Do that in me. Father, awaken us, Lord, to, through worship. God, Lord, maybe there's one here today that needs to trust You for the first time that needs to bow to heart and say, You are the Messiah, Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. Enter my life. Give me a new start. Father, I I pray that's the case that a person here, Lord, would just do that now. Just bow and say, God, enter my heart. Forgive me. And You will. Father, others of us, we need to do business, Lord. Our lives have not been reflective of worship of You, maybe worshiping somewhere else or another person or another thing but father we want jesus to be the theme of worship in our lives and i pray father for us as a people here as your people god just show us your truth that's when it all makes sense when you're placed exalted high and lifted up and we look at you father have your way this morning at this time we call response a a time to, to turn to you God, um, you know what you want to do. So, so just speak to the heart. Each heart you want to speak to, and me, may we say yes to you. Whether it's to come pray at the altar, whether it's to make a commitment right where we are, or whether it's to come to the front and, and uh, to make a commitment before your people that says, uh, "I want Jesus to be worshipped in me and through me." In your name, we pray. Amen.